Hello everyone, my name is Logan, and you are listening to The Crown Cast, and we're back, baby! We're back. We're back at home. We are back as The Crown Cast. We thank all of you listeners for uh, giving us our time off uh, for this this last one. We did not have a post-react, although we are going to be talking about the home victory to uh, or against Inter-Miami uh, today. And here to do all of the fun with me, as always, is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. How are you doing this afternoon? You know, I'm doing really, really well. Uh, you know, we're recording this one right before the next game comes on. Uh, and as a result, I mean, I've just got, I've got football everywhere. I have so much football. Yep. And I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, what is the best possible thing uh, that I could have in my life? And I realized that it is, in fact endless football uh so right now i'm really good it's <laughs> right before uh charlotte fc they're hour and a half or so away from kickoff in richmond virginia uh for the next round of 32 match against uh the richmond kickers mm-hmm. another usl team same league as uh the the greenville triumph that we played a few weeks back once again for our listeners that may not be as familiar this is a this is a win and we get to keep going in this tournament we go from the the uh round of 32 here to the round of 16 next and then you know if you make it past that you get into the quarters and the, the semis and everything um that we'll is... have to wait and see how we do this is gonna be a fun one i think tonight uh because it's a chance maybe to see some of these players that we don't normally see oh yeah and uh you know, I was I was personally at the Greenville match last time we had one of these. I don't get to be at the Richmond one. Uh, it hurts my soul just a little bit. I have minor soul pain. Uh, but I am going to get to uh, watch it with the Mint City boys here in the city. So a quick shout out to them. Another person who uh, we're going to be shouting out because, uh, Justin, I don't know. Well, I know you know because you were on the podcast. But I don't know if all the listeners know that we got to talk to Brant Bronico. And we got to uh, work together to highlight one of the, the best sort of foundations in the city in Envision Charlotte last time. And uh, we're still through the roof about that. If you, get, if you have not heard that episode, you need to go back. It's, go back one episode uh, to a barn full of interviews. And you will get to... You'll get to experience all of that. It was so big that our local friends at uh, 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 Charlotte FC memes page we have we have shouted them out and we've enjoyed you know working with them before. Actually, made a meme out of it, and uh, I don't think you've been a successful podcast in, until you've gotten your own meme made. Would you call that about right, Justin? Yeah, yeah. It's, that's that's the bar for successful podcast is whether or not you become meme content. <laughs> well, uh, we've done it. We we have <laughs> become meme content. So for all of you out there who who wanted to listen to us for our you know our takes, our hot hot piping hot takes, uh, I'm sorry. We've actually succeeded at being a podcast. So this is our last episode. Uh, no, that's not true at all. Please, uh, you know we're gonna be with you all the way through the ride, uh, but. The ride we're talking about today is another win at home at the vault. And Justin, I said this to you off mic that especially as podcasters, especially as people who are used to sort of the the radio voice and you know, we we want the vault to become a fortress. We want it to become a place where uh our players really feel like they have home field advantage and 
any team coming in is going to be terrified of walking into that stadium. And I don't think we have to hype it up anymore. I just think that it is. Like, I think there's a point when something happens that it's just so clear and obvious, you don't have to yell it into the microphone. You don't have to shout it out off the top of a mountain. That stadium is a fortress. I mean, do you agree? What have you been looking at? All you got to do is look at, at our record at home versus our, our record away. You know, we we have yet to win a match on the road. We've only lost one match so far at home. We're we're definitely looking at the vault and the energy. You know, uh, uh, one of our new players that we're definitely going to talk more about uh, in Andre, Andre Shinyashiki uh, talked about what an experience it is to play in front of the crowd here at the vault and how much energy they bring and how surprising it was for him after you know his experiences elsewhere in MLS. Yeah, so, I don't think you can look at. There was a, a statistic that was tweeted out, and we were a big part of this. Uh, that the cities of Nashville, Charlotte, and Atlanta together hosted over 100,000 soccer fans at their matches uh, this past weekend. And we more than held up our share of that. We were over 32,000 easily uh, uh, in the vault. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are, well, we're always showing up. The fans are always showing up. We're always going to be there. Uh, and the parties that went on after that particular match, uh, you know, when we win at home, the bars are all filled. It's it's always a great time. Uh, but uh, that's kind of my, my statement there was that I really felt like we, we didn't have to hype it up anymore, that we had turned this stadium into our home ground, that we had turned it not away from Charlotte FC playing in the Carolina Panthers stadium. That's now the Charlotte FC stadium. Um and with the amount of of hype that goes on there, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to have to do some work to take it back from us. And we saw it in the first 30 minutes. You know, we talk about how teams come out of the gate in football. And we created a lot of chances in the first 30 minutes of that game. We had some really, really, really good ones. Uh, and we'll get on a little bit later about sort of how we feel about that. But... How many away games have we gotten to this season where we looked down at the clock at 30 minutes and and went, man, we have lots of shots on target. Like, we're really making the goalkeeper work. I mean, I can't think of a single one. Justin? No, I mean, you know, if you you kind of page back and even, you know, look back through our podcast history – you know, there are a lot of complaints, especially this past month where we were on the road for, for the, the entirety, really, of the month where we were begging for some kind of attacking football. And, and it's just not coming in. You know, it's a, a little bit of the the strategy that Miguel Angel Ramirez wants to put out there on the road. It's a little bit, you know, they got an extra pep here in the vault uh, playing on this grass or, well, on this turf. Um, and I just, we look like a more exciting team here in front of the home fans. Yeah, we absolutely do. And we will jump sort of to the starting 11 for this match because there was a change to the starting 11 in this match. Actually, there were a few changes, but one of them that both you and I had vocalized we kind of wanted to see. Justin, can you tell me a little bit about uh, about that? 
Yeah, we had talked about after his experience in the Greenville match and uh, his cameo appearances uh, on the road that maybe, you know, because Daniel Rios wasn't really firing up top paired with Carol Swiderski, that Mackenzie Gain maybe deserved an opportunity to come in and he could give us maybe some width on the right to go with what we expected was, was going to be width on the left with uh, Kamal Yozwiak coming into the team. Uh, and, and Gain's got his chance to start. Uh, we, we trotted out this time. It was, it's somewhere between a four, one, four, one and a four, three, three, but you know, we definitely had more wing play here with uh, Yozwiak and Gaines in the starting lineup. Um, that said, and, and I think Mackenzie Gaines has a lot going for him. I think he's an absolute speed merchant. Like, I don't know if he really grabbed hold of that spot in the starting 11, uh, this past weekend. Yeah, that was something that, I mean, I know I, I raved about Mackenzie Gaines after the Greenville match, um, admittedly against lower league opposition. But one of the things that I remember so clearly seeing and I remember so clearly talking about was his ability to just absolutely silence a ball that was fired at him. Um, you know, if you hit a ball into Mackenzie Gaines, his first touch to control is, I mean, it's among the best skills I have ever seen in the game of football. It's really, really good. And I, I think... Uh, you know, maybe I, I don't have enough evidence to fully make any, like, hard statements here, but but what comes after that for Mackenzie Gaines? He's fast. He is clearly very capable of being a target. And so there's something that's not connecting about the next section of his play uh, because he's getting the ball effectively, and he's fast enough that I feel like he should be able to do something effective with it. And And that next section just isn't firing for me, and... I won't lie, I was pretty sad to see, especially with some of the new talent that's coming into the team, uh, you know, you don't get that many chances to to stand up and tell the coach, look at me, this is why I deserve to be on this field. And I'm a little worried that it might be a while before Mackenzie Gaines sees his next one. Yeah, I mean, you know, you referenced uh, there, the, the incoming talent is really going to challenge not just Mackenzie Gaines, but a lot of the players that we've seen on the pitch that that maybe haven't fully lived up, uh, you know, to what we were hoping for from them. Uh, players like Daniel Rios, who didn't uh, who didn't make it on, uh, I don't think in this match at all. Um, I think uh, you know, I think there might uh, Daniel Rios. I do think features. Oh, you're right. Yes, he does come he on does as a, a sub. Um, late, late sub, 86th minute, he subbed on. Yeah, but uh, again, just the fact that he's not front and center in our minds means he, he wasn't the one really making the, the difference, at least at least there for us he wasn't. Uh, I think I'm going to move it along because there's another player on this team who is struggling right now. And one of the things that I will pass on to, to the listeners – Hopefully to Miguel Ramirez, who obviously listens to this podcast and takes our coaching advice. Uh, there are no sacred cows in football. Uh, the, other, the other way I have said this is you have to be able to kill your darlings. Ultimately, the job of the team is to put out the best 11 that will go out and get the most points from any game. 
And I think we have started to create a little bit of a sacred cow in Carol Swiderski. Um, obviously, one of the biggest names who has been on our, our sheet since the beginning. I think he's our most expensive player. Uh, I, I think he's the player with the most value currently anyway. And he has a rocket of a left foot. But the conversation is going to start happening. And I'm not saying we need to be on his back right now. But the conversation is going to start happening that he's not getting it done. Uh, there are a couple moments in this one that I looked at and went, oh, like at first glance, I looked at and said, oh, I'm really glad to see him, him taking a shot, him digging in, firing one off. And in almost all of them, I kind of looked back and went, I'm glad that he's taking shots. I'm glad that he's, you know, he wants to back himself. But are the shots of great quality? Are they really dangerous? And the answer in this particular game is no. You know, we talk about how we did actually put some thread on the goal in the first 30 minutes. Uh, he has a really early header, a great cross in by Joseph Mora, I believe. Um, yeah, and it's it's he's surrounded by two people. He does well to muscle his way up there and get a good header on frame. It's a low percentage chance, but but he shows some fight for it. And I was like, yes. And he he took a hit for it too. You know, he got bodied in the air, and we've talked a little bit about what what happens if you put a body on Carol Swiderski. And I don't know if that has any bearing on what happens next, but. Yeah, maybe it does. Um, and a little later on in the game, he takes a you know he takes that rocket left foot first time out from really really far away from the goal. And maybe this is the fact that he hits one of those earlier in the season, but he kind of gets to the center of the pitch, and instead of trying to create a little bit better opportunity for himself, he just says, "I could hit a worldie," and takes it. Um, the keeper has an impressive but ultimately not overwhelmingly difficult save on that particular one. And and I just get this sense from him right now that he is searching and he's not finding whatever it is, whatever that magic striker dust is that they put on their cereal in the morning that makes them so deadly. He's, he doesn't quite have that edge to his blade right now. And you actually pointed this one out to me, Justin. We have a really good move. Uh, uh, Kamal Yazwiak kind of controls the ball in on our left side, and Joseph Mora makes a spectacular run, uh, you know, uh, passing run up the side. Uh, a really good ball, a good little touch by Joseph Mora, puts him inside of the penalty spot with time. And not only does he not score a goal, he actually kicks a, a point-blank range shot directly at the defender in front of him. Uh, there's some. There are the beginnings of cause for concern for me here, Justin. And I, I want to ask you: Am I being whiskers? Like, am I, am I reading tea leaves too soon? I think that there is. I, I think what we set up for on the road robbed Carol Swiderski a little bit of the 
the moxie and the mojo that he had after those back-to-back braces here at home. We set up a lot more defensively. You know, I mentioned uh, after the Orlando match in our uh, in our post-react that I would have loved to see him take the penalty instead of Christian Fuchs, and not because, you know, Fuchs necessarily took a, a truly awful penalty. I wanted the confidence there for the striker. You know, I wanted the goal scorer to get back on the score sheet because I think by hook or by crook, however it gets in the back of the net, it's incredibly helpful for the mentality of a striker to remember how to score. And I think it's something that has to be refreshed fairly frequently. And, you know, we're back home and we're playing more attacking football, but Swiderski's head still just, I don't think is, is quite right at the moment. I think he's just got to get one back. And we've got a couple more matches at home. I think he's got another opportunity, uh, you know, a couple of opportunities to try and get one of those goals back. Maybe place tonight against Richmond just to try and get a goal back against, you know, doesn't even matter if it's against lower tier comp- uh, competition, but get the goal scoring boots back on. And I think it starts to, to straighten out again for Swiderski. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. previously we talked about the fact that I was actually really happy Fuchs took that penalty and again, that not that I will ever want to tell you that you may have been right, but and and hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Like we have to. It's such a fine line to analyze whether somebody is taking, you know, really low percentage shots because they they don't have the confidence to muscle their way in and take the and, and take what a striker should be taking. Or whether they're they're taking those lower percentage shots because they say, hey, right now I feel really good. I feel like I've got my shooting boots on. There's a chance that today I hit a, a highlight reel. And, and if they hit that highlight reel, we're sitting here on this microphone going, what a shot from Carol Swiderski. He hits it from 52 yards away. I mean, uh, we're all talking about what a brilliant man he is. And when it doesn't come off for him, as it didn't come off for him, we're all kind of uh, sitting around going, is a little bit of the magic gone? Um, I think, you know, like we said, I, I think that conversation is going to have to start soon. If if we don't see him bringing a little bit more actual production to the team, uh, especially considering some of the attacking talent that is coming in around him, which should be giving him a boost. And, uh, Justin, a player who you were super excited to see come in uh, is Kamu Yazwiak, and he looks good. And on top of that, he looks like he's making the players around him better. Joseph Mora looked to have a great game. Uh, He looked like, certainly offensively, he was creating a lot more. He was able to hit in better crosses. He was making the overlapping runs better. And I think a lot of that is just down to the fact that Yazwiak, he he draws defenders into him, and then he can beat them on the inside or he can force them out to the outside. Uh, he just looks like a very good player that isn't only bringing that area of the field up. He looks like he's bringing all of the people around him up with him. And I love, love, love to see that in a new player, especially a relatively new signing. Justin, I know you have some beliefs that he's bringing width to our field. Do you want to talk about this? 
I mean, I don't know that this is just my belief. This is, you know, this is evidenced by the formation change. You know, we dropped the diamond that made us very narrow through the midfield. You know, the thing about the diamond is it doesn't let people get out to the wings, uh, tries to play through the middle. This formation, the 4-1-4-1, that, that four that sits behind Swiderski gets real wide. This has the opportunity to stretch. And... When you stretch the field side to side like that, what it does is it draws the left and right back for the defense out towards, you know, Mackenzie Gaines and Kamil Yazwiak uh, on the outside. And if they are good players, if they are technically proficient players, if they can dribble the ball well, pass the ball well, that draws the center back out to help cover and, and kind of step into that, you know, double coverage. And that opens space in the middle of the field for a player like Karol Swiderski to find some gaps and, and potentially, you know, find that space to, to be able to fire home. I think with a striker that needs maybe a second to settle the ball to the foot that he likes, maybe a second to not be bodied off the ball, width is going to be vitally important for the structure of our team. I don't know that we necessarily had the, the really technically gifted players in the middle of the pitch, to make the diamond work. And yeah. so I'm really excited to see that's with come in. And, and, you know, the other thing I, to circle back a little bit about maybe Swiderski's not firing and, and maybe this has something to do with it is when's the last time Carol Swiderski played two matches back to back with the same system behind him with the same players around him. I think it might've been the two matches where he scored braces oh. and then stuff started shifting Okay, you know, players... whoa, whoa, hold on, Justin. I'm going to need you to get that logic out of here because that does make <laughs> sense. And but, I, I don't think people listen to us because we make sense. Well, that's true. <laughs> but but if if we're going to get width, and I do think that we are, you know, with, with the Oswiak and with some of the other signings that we'll talk about a little bit more in a little while, maybe Swiderski just needs a little bit of time to acclimate to how the system's going to look and you know, where he needs to position for these attacks and things like that, and, and then he'll get his goal-scoring boots back on. But, you know, Yazwiak is a guy that, like, he played at Derby County in England. Uh, it's not Premier League. It's a couple level down, everything like that. He was managed by Wayne Rooney, who, as a Manchester United fan, I am. Uh, Waza is one of the greats uh, for the, the Red Devils. And so I was so excited to see Yazwiak because he looked like he looked like a an English winger in in that like the Premier League winger that you look for that is is quick is has a lot of guile in his game uh, is not afraid to write a challenge out and then try and get in a position to to put a good ball in and I think that we've seen all of those things and I think the other thing you mentioned Joseph Mora having a great game and he did and, and I've slated Mora before but I think some of what helps him out. Some of what helps Joseph Moore at the left-back spot out is having a player in Kamil Yazwiak on the left wing who tracks back a little more. And so they can kind of share the offensive duties. They can kind of share the defensive duties on that wing. And I think it makes everybody better. Yeah, I would love to see some some like work rate stats or some heat maps of Kamil Yazwiak. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll see if I can get my stats, guys. Uh, I have stats, guys, if you don't know. Uh, see if I can get my stats guys on that because uh, he has clearly come in and made a difference uh, on that left side. And I hope we soon get to the point that he becomes a, a regular nailed on, plays 90 minutes because 
he just he just looks really good. Um, we will move along here because we will get wrapped up in this forever, as as per usual, and that's not really what we need to be doing. Uh, and we'll move on to something that is equally important to us here uh, at the Crowncast, and that is our sponsor. That is our, our wonderful new sponsor. We have been picked up by a local community of Disc Golf and by one of their Charlotte businesses, AHA Disc Golf. Uh, so AHA Disc Golf is a, a local supplier of discs for any of you out there who would like to go out and play another beautiful game uh, that you can find in our city. And if you talk to AHA Disc Golf and you mention the Crown Cast, they will actually give you a discount. Aaron, the gentleman who runs the Disc Golf Shack, uh, will take anyone out and he will help them find the discs that are best for them. So if you're a new player and it's something that, or if you're a someone who's never played and it's something that sounds interesting to you, uh, you can go out there, you can save a little bit of money, and you can meet some people who are very knowledgeable in the game, and they'll help you get started. Uh, Justin, would you say that is just about enough of that? Yeah, you know, I, I will recommend everybody get out there and, and give disc golf a try, even if you're you know, you don't consider yourself an athlete if you're not super athletic. It's it is something anybody at any skill level can go out and have a great time playing. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to what I think we can officially call for today were super subs. Is that about right? Absolutely. Would you, would you yeah. say the subs in this game were spectacular? Yes. I mean, and and you know everything about it. We we have talked a little bit before about. Man, it it would be great to see subs a little bit earlier in the match where they have a chance to influence. And man, they came on earlier, and boy, did they influence this one. Yeah, they they lit it up. Um, uh, almost in not to not to continue harping on Mackenzie Gaines, but you know, one of them that 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 did come on is Yordi Reyna, and we have had questions about Yordi Reyna, and Yordi Reyna looked like he was. Uh, I believe you used the term a firecracker. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, obviously, huge part in the the one goal uh, with the beautiful cross. He, DeAndre Yedlin plays right back for Inter Miami CF, and DeAndre Yedlin used to play right back for the U.S. Men's National Team. He's played the right. He played in the Premier League. He played for Newcastle out in the Premier League and everything. DeAndre Yedlin's a guy who's been around. Jordi Reyna broke his ankles and put him on his butt in the penalty area late in this match. And, and just, this is really, you know, I didn't think uh, early in the season that Jordi Reyna was necessarily a guy that we wanted starting for us. But this is is really what I thought Jordi Reyna could bring to this team is come in for 20 to 30 minutes and just, you know, just blow the doors off of it for, for a while. Run at people, make some great passes. He did all of those things and more. Yeah, he, uh, he and... really terrorized the defense in this one. And I, I think that that's something that this team needs more of. I think that this team needs, even if it's in a super sub capacity, uh, I think this team needs a way from an offensive perspective to change the game. You know, when you are chasing a game or when, you, when you're when you nil-nil and you, you need that goal to take it over the line, this team has needed some offensive way to change the game. And Jordi Reyna put his name in the hat for that. He, I mean, he genuinely looked like he terrified the other team. Another person who terrified the other team because he actually did score a goal 
is our literally first time on the field. What a way to introduce yourself, Andre Shinyashinki. Justin, you wanna you wanna tell us a little bit about this goal? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I think everybody here will, you know, if you watched that match against the uh, against Colorado a couple of weeks ago, uh, Andre Shinyashiki almost scored against uh, Charlotte in that match. Do you think but, there's an uh, Do you think there's an element of like he knew he was coming to Charlotte and he was like, oh, I better not score on them. That would <laughs> we better <laughs> save it, save whatever. it for my next team, right? Whatever uh, the reasoning behind it was, it did get us the point uh, out there against the Colorado Rapids, but uh, recently traded for him. And one of the things that uh, I think Shin Yashiki brings is is that knowledge of how the game plays in MLS in the attack, you know, where where I don't know if Swiderski was quite ready for how much you're going to get bodied. You know, some of these center backs uh, in MLS might have played tight end in high school. These are some big guys. Um, Shin Yashiki knows that. Shin Yashiki knows how to be a little slithery, find the space. Uh, interestingly enough, Brena and Shin Yashiki came on for our wingers. They came on for Kamal Yazwiak, who, you know, obviously looking back, Yordi Reina is a huge part of, of how we break this tie and, and get the point. I was a little disappointed to see Kamal Yazwiak come off the field. Um, and then uh, Andre Shin Yashiki comes in for Mackenzie Gaines, which... I think we were a little less disappointed to see, you know, Mackenzie Gaines come on and see Shin Yashiki get a chance to to make the run. But so another quick guy, a great late run. Uh, Brent Bronico does a phenomenal job pushing the ball forward from midfield and uh, drawing some defense sort of out of the way uh, before he plays the the through ball in ahead of Yordi Reina and Reina's uh, just screaming down the left flank. Um, and, and a short cross that Shin Yashiki has to stretch for uh, and hits back with pace and power across the face of goal and across the keeper uh, to, to slot it just inside the far post. It's a really well-taken goal. Yeah, it's, it's done really, really well. And Justin, it has just now occurred to me that Andre Shin Yashiki has only played for Charlotte FC for one match at the time of recording. Yep. And mathematically is responsible for Charlotte FC gaining four points. Yeah, in that he missed his chance, you know, probably the best chance that Colorado had. So, yeah. you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, points per minute sort of thing in terms of his contribution, it's really solid, uh, you know, for Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point we may as well build a statue of him. Like, <laughs> I mean, how many players can you think of that have been responsible for earning you points before they came to the club? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, is... and, and he's 35 minutes on the pitch. He came in in the 56th minute, which is the other piece of this is 56th minute. Like I, I mentioned earlier, like we've talked about before on this podcast, you have time to influence the game when you've got 35 minutes of playtime. Uh, you don't have as much time to influence the game when you've got five or ten minutes. So great to see Miguel Angel Ramirez bringing subs on earlier in this match uh, to make a difference. But yeah, 35 minutes in the kit on the pitch and, uh, you know, secures the three points here and, and kind of gifted us the one back when he was in Colorado. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go into him because I do think we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about our new signings. We have actually had a couple of fans reach out to us and say, hey, what do you think about uh, our our new attacking signings? 
So since we're already on him, let's talk Shinya Shingi for a little bit. If you haven't seen the video on this guy, uh, I believe he was definitely an MLS Rookie of the Year. I believe it was 2019, Justin, is that correct? Yep. <clears throat> so I'm a big fan of signings like this. Um, this is a guy who has experience in the league. He is young enough that he is going to be uh, an effective force that has time to to sort of train into Miguel Ramirez's system. But he is in his prime, and he is going to be able to deliver effective attacking threat right now. Which means we've brought in a guy who, for one reason or another, wasn't really firing at at Colorado, and we're giving him a new chance at, at running the gambit. I think the downsides of this type of signing are almost non-existent. Like, you bring in somebody who you know has top-quality talent in there, and you're putting them in a new system, you're giving them a new, uh, a new opportunity, the coaches are looking at this player, and instead of there being like, hey, why aren't you living up to your expectations – Everyone is going, hey, here's a brand new clean sheet. What do you want to draw with it? And like I said, I really, I just don't feel like there's a downside to this. Uh, well, I guess the downside is the money that you have to pay for him. But I feel like we're getting yeah. a very good player, an, a proven, established good player, who all his life has played on the right. I mean, he has played on the left as well, if you go way back in his history. But he has effectively played on the right. Uh, he creates that width that you were talking about earlier, Justin. He's he's very capable from that side, and and who knows, maybe maybe able to form a similar partnership with Jalen Lindsay. Uh, I just don't see a lot of downside on this this signing. I think the worst thing that happens out of this signing is we get a potential super sub game changer that can come on and and really be a terrorizing force for 30 minutes. And I think the best thing that happens, you know, the ceiling on this deal, is that we get a ready-to-win-now, super effective, highly mobile, with creating outside attacker that knows how to drive the ball inside, knows how to put balls in the back of the net, and will make those back post runs that we see today get Charlotte FC three points. Um, yeah, am and I, back am I post missing runs, something? Well, back post runs that we haven't necessarily seen before. You know, I think that's a huge thing. Uh, this is a, 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 a guy that's, you know, he's of Brazilian descent. Brazilian players are traditionally, you know, incredibly creative and incredibly fun to watch. Um, I think that, you know, he, he showed a lot in Colorado. I think it was more a system change. Uh, from the management there rather than a, a drop-off in Shinyashiki's skill. Um, I, I'm i with you. I I already want to see him, much like Kamil Yazgek, I already want to see Shinyashiki in the starting 11, uh, you know, on the right flank of a front three with uh, Swiderski in, in between uh, him and Yazgek. Wait, so, um, so you'd, because be I, putting, you'd be putting <clears throat> Yazgek, Swiderski, and Shinyashiki with who behind them bender um Bronico my ideals and uh, you, you know it's 
I, I think that it's Bender and Bronico, and then you've got a maybe a little bit of a coin toss between uh, Sergio Ruiz and an Alan Franco, maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's going to be something I look forward to as we go on is sort of how that that midfield develops on that side. If Shinyashinki takes a more pivotal, 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 I promise you I speak English, pivotal role out there. Uh, on the wing because I, I really don't know who who would play off him better. Yeah, it it depends a lot on whether or not you set up that midfield trio to play a little bit more defensive, uh, where you know maybe you've got the the maybe you even go hyper defensive with it and you play sort of that double pivot of of Brent Bronico and Derek Jones, uh, or you know you set it up to be. Uh, maybe a little bit of of you know, that box to box support, which is the I think the Bronico Ruiz Bender, you know that kind of lets um, Bender and and Ruiz maybe sort of split the uh, the midfield in half, uh, left and right, uh, and you know Bender I think drifts a little bit more left, Ruiz drifts a little bit more right, and we see that, and then you know then it becomes how do Ruiz and Shinyashiki and Lindsay you know, play as sort of a triangle out there on the right too. Um, but, you know, I don't know yet. Th- there's a possibility that it's, you know, Jordi Alcivar or, uh, or sorry, Jordi Alcivar or, uh, or TD Ortiz that take that third midfield spot and we go, you know, more hyper attacking uh, out of the midfield. Um, but I definitely think that our best starting 11 has a front three that, that includes Shinyashiki, Swiderski, and uh, and uh, Yezwiak right now. Um, uh, you know, the other the other thing to talk about when we talk about it changes potentially to the attack and everything like that. And, you know, I do feel a little bit bad for Daniel Rios. I think he's been a great servant for the club, but I just don't see his path back into the starting 11 here. Yeah, it does uh, you know, look unless, like it's getting crowded, doesn't it? That particular road it, is very busy. Maybe he can find a place for himself in the midfield. Who knows? Uh, because, you know, now we've got another attacker coming in. We've got uh, Kerwin Vargas has been brought in as another under-22 uh, designated player for us. So so uh, this is a Colombian uh, player who has recently been playing in the Portuguese second division. Um, the Portuguese league is all about technical proficiency. It's all about how well can you play the ball at your feet and make those, those clean, crisp passes. Uh, this guy's, he's only 20 and he carries what I think is a pretty impressive amount of sort of upper body mass for a 20 year old striker. Um, Mm -hmm. he's, he's a pretty stout looking guy. Uh, he, he looks good in the air, some of the video from, uh, from Portugal. And he generally plays as either a right sided attacker or as a central striker. And he does strike with both feet pretty well, which is something that we've maybe had some trouble with, with Swiderski. Yeah. And something that I'm going to talk about here is I like the image that this signing sends. So talking about Kerwin Vargas, please, please, please go look up some of his highlight reels and and understand that when you're watching highlight reels, you're getting highlight play. You're not seeing the times that he trips over his own cleats and, you know, runs his head into the posts. You're getting the times he does something spectacular. In the Portuguese second division, this guy is putting people on a plate. 
and roasting them. He is terrorizing defenses in a way that stands out so visibly to anyone watching. And there's always going to be the question, hey, we have a young guy. Is he going to be able to to translate that into the MLS? You know, how comfortable is he playing against, you know, sort of first league opposition? And you know, is the, the strength of older, more developed players going to be able to hold him off the ball a little more? The only way you can know that stuff is to find out. But where he's coming from is a spectacular chance uh, or gives him a spectacular chance to really develop into something special and something dangerous and something that honestly will put butts in seats and will be quite fun to watch because he is he is lightning on the ball. He has, he has that striker's mentality of, I am going to put this little round ball into the back of that net. You can just see that in his mind... He has that belief that he is going to put that little ball onto the back of the net. This also kind of comes across with a bit of a nobody's position is safe signing. Like, okay, now if you look across our front line, and we're making some assumptions that Andrei Shinyushinki is going to come directly into our front line. But if you look into our front line, we have now Kamal Yazwiak, we have Karol Swiderski, and we have Andrei Shinyushinki. All three of these players are win-now players. They're all in their prime. They're all expensively acquired. They're all big deal, we're going to put goals into the back of the net players. And one of the things that I think is really important in a team is that every team should have somebody who pushes your, your best players forward. All three of them. Keep in mind, I'm fully aware that two of them are brand new signings. All three of them, I hope, are looking at Kerwin Vargas and going, oh, I am going to have to keep getting better or this kid's going to rip the shirt off my back. That is the culture that I want to see at Charlotte FC, that, that no one's place is sacred, that you earn your place every single time you step onto the pitch, whether it's for practice or whether it's for you know, the biggest game, whether it's the, the I-85 derby. That yeah, I mean, is, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those that that like you need healthy competition. Yeah, you don't want guys fighting in practice or anything like that. But you got to bring in people that are going to push. And and I think if you look across the rest of our attacking options, uh, you know, I think when uh, Vinicius Melo gets healthy again, you know, I think he might be able to bring some of that push too. But it's always good to have, mm-hmm. you know, those those players that are going to push players that are going to make everybody better, you know, and not just the starting three, but maybe it pushes a player like Mackenzie Gaines, you know, to really focus the skills that he's got into, into something really effective for us. Or maybe, you know, it pushes Daniel Rios to find, you know, find his space in this team. If it's not in the front three, maybe he can help out in the midfield or something like that. But, well, I think, I think the other thing that it says is, and maybe we'll wrap it up with this because we are, we are pushing our time. Um, I think the other thing that it says is this club is going to become a culture of improving. And one thing that, that really resonates with me, and as much as I wish I could say that that I am the one who came up with this, I'm not. Uh, you never arrive. No matter how good of a football club you are, you never arrive. You should always have a culture and a mentality of, 
of what can be better because you're always going to have to get better. People are always going to be able to figure you out eventually. So you always have to sort of adapt and change and, and shift and even if they're small things. And, and so instilling that culture of, of nobody's place is safe, instilling that culture of, hey, I'm a young guy, but I'm coming for your shirt, means that the players who ultimately stay at Charlotte FC are going to be the ones who want to get better themselves. They're going to be the ones that say, oh, yeah, I'm going to fight for my shirt. I'm going to fight for my place, and I'm going to fight for Charlotte FC. And as a result, we are going to go out, and we're not going to be a team that people think, oh, you know, if they win one or two games this year, they did great. I think this is, I think this is really intelligent signing uh, from the leadership of this club that shows me they are actually in this to go after it. I, I think this shows Charlotte FC wants to be in the conversation for for league winners in uh, you know immediately, if not sooner. I gotta. We still gotta find some people to push the the back line in the midfield up too. Yeah, that's, uh, that's before true. we get there. But uh, but I am excited to see. I'm excited to see young attacking players uh, because. I do think you're right about some of our current young attacking uh, starting 11 uh, Bender <laughs> uh, may not be with the club for very long. I think that, that if you see their skills continue to improve, uh, you know, I would love to be a team like Atlanta that has, has now produced talent that has been sold to Europe. Uh, and that's, that's a big deal uh, when you can start seeing uh, it's big for Charlotte and it's big for MLS. Yeah. Because if, if we are producing that kind of talent here, that raises our visibility, that raises the perspective, and it attracts new, exciting talent. And I want that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what we want to see. We are going to go ahead and wrap it up there, though. Uh, so, as ever, we thank you all for being with us. We love you for sharing your time with us. And we really mean that. We love you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, and we will talk to you after... Uh, Charlotte goes and takes the game to Richmond Kickers. Maybe we do it a little bit easier than we did it against Greenville Triumph. <laughs> but we will talk to you after that. Goodbye.